I'm the doctor, by the way. What's your name? Daniel Levine. Nice to meet you. Run for your life. Welcome to the inaugural, the first, first time Lord podcast. That's a lot of firsts right there. But welcome to the show, everybody. Uh, today I have a super mega fan. He is going to be my expert holding my hand and getting me through the very first episode, the very first episode that I've seen, uh, which is episode one, season one. The title of the episode is Rose, and join me in welcoming Eric Sweetman. Hey there, I get to be the first of your first of your first of your first Time Lord. Yay, me! <laughs> first, first is going to be used a lot in this show. Yeah, because first we it, should clarify that, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's all a first. That's why it's called First and then Time Lord, which eventually I will know why that is so significant to the show. Um, I just just picked it because I know very little about the show. So here's a quick introduction. I've never seen the show until yesterday when I sat down and I watched Rose for the very first time, having never seen it. Uh, All I knew about Doctor Who is that it existed. I had several of my friends that were huge fans of it, Eric being one of them. I don't know what you're talking Uh, about. And (laughs) throughout my many years of sort of crossing past these ships in the night, I've heard things like TARDIS. I've heard things like Sonic Screwdriver. Mm -hmm. And I've heard things like Companion. And now I am super excited to find out what the heck all of that means. That means nothing at all. Those are just made up words that don't really exist. No. Um. <laughs> in, in, the, in the real world, yes. yes but yeah. in the world of Doctor Who, they do. So is there like a little introduction that you can give me, like a little bit of history uh, before we jump into the episode and specifically the questions that I have after watching? Well, I can say that the show has quite a bit of history. Now, when this episode aired the show had been off the air for a number of years the last time that it had uh, been anything was in 1996 and that was a television movie that was just a one-time one outing for that particular performer as the doctor the regular series had ended you know much earlier than that, and they, they people had wanted they they had grown up with this show, and they wanted to uh, resurrect it to bring it back to see further adventures of the Doctor. But they didn't have any opportunity to do that until um, the uh, the showrunner um, Davies, uh, he Russell Davies, he just came up with a new approach to it and f- made it fresh and exciting again. And uh, kept a lot of wonderful humor in there and put in the amazingly underrated actor, uh, Christopher Eccleston. He was he's so good in this role. And he they gave us in a broad spectrum. They gave you everything you would want. If you only had one season, that's this season, everything. It's so good. So that's well, that, that would explain uh, a lot because. Uh, I felt like uh, I sat down to watch this show with my wife and, uh, you know, clearly 
if you've not seen the episode by now, you should probably hit pause and go watch the episode because <laughs> we are going to talk about it. And every one of the podcast shows will definitely spoil the episode. So please watch them before you listen. But we were watching the episode and she looks at me and she goes, this is the first episode and they're already destroying the world. Like it's the end of the world. No, that's common. That's, that's, <laughs> so they, that's normal. They did not wait at all to just immediately jump into the deep end. Yeah, they uh, the 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 stakes are always high in a Doctor Who episode. There's uh, there's big things. It's world destroying. It's galaxy destroying. There's there's so much stuff where we are bystanders. We are we are ignorant of all these huge things that are happening in in space, and what a small little dinky planet that we are actually on. So, you know, these things, like we don't understand the things that are going on beneath our own feet and our oceans in our in our air in anything. And in the cosmic scale of it, it's, uh, you know, the, the biggest things we deal with are nothing. Well, let's uh, let's jump right into some of the questions and observations that I had. And uh, Eric is going to be so kind as to help me with the one caveat that should I ask a question that would spoil any episodes moving past Rose, he's going to let us know. So we aren't going to spoil anything past Rose tonight. So feel safe in that. Um, so to start off, uh, I thought uh, that the way I got introduced to the doctor was brilliant. The it fact that, you know, we go through this whole like drawn out uh showing us a slice of this woman's life which is clearly very london centric i'm sure it means a lot to the people that live in england uh, i certainly saw a lot of places that i got to visit while i was in england um, but the the way that it just feels like something's going to happen and then very whimsical very sort of sage like he just grabs her hand and he goes Rob. I thought Rose that was great. <laughs> that like, uh, if that's the way that this series is going to go, I'm in from that moment alone. I, I just thought that was such a cool way to introduce you to this very uh, weird guy. But the first real note that I wrote down uh, was uh, as Rose is running away from the building, she walks she walks past the TARDIS. Uh, which I recognize, I, I know what the TARDIS looks like. I'm not entirely certain what it is yet, but she walks past it and it was bigger than I thought. I, I always envision, I mean, I've always seen the TARDIS. I thought it was like the size of a Bill and Ted phone booth. Mm. Why, why is it so big? Well, I mean, it's certainly bigger on the inside, but it's bigger because of what it's for. It's, you know, in England, those uh, police boxes back in the old days were more like safe havens you know they you could be inside there could be somebody in there to um offer help um you know there's that's kind of like having a security booth someplace you know so going I mean, into it because you could have phones, like a go-go party right, in there i right. mean the, but that, the phone that thing was ridiculously that, large yeah when you get to use a phone in those old uh police boxes the phone itself it's actually accessible on the outside you don't necessarily have to enter it so they are larger for for other purposes um 
not all of them do I know because they don't use the uh, the phone boxes anymore. Those police boxes, they are, yeah, they're out of <laughs> you know, they're no longer uh, they're somewhat obsolete. So now uh, a a weird nerdy sort of related question mm-hmm. is the phone box like a weird sort of homage to the phone booths that Superman would switch into? No, no, not at all. Superman clearly superseded uh, the beginnings of Doctor Who. Right. So, Well, in the the idea from the old, like the early original episodes, the old series, was that this TARDIS being a, a... time-traveling machine in order to blend in with its surroundings would look like something from those surroundings. So it's a camouflage that makes it look like a, uh, an old police box. It is not, you know, its natural appearance is not to look like an English police box. But during all of these early adventures, the uh, camouflage button got broken. So it has been stuck as a police box for God, you know, at least at this point, at least 50 years. I know that some of the early, early stuff they did play with changing its appearance for different reasons, but almost always it's been a police box just because it's so iconic and recognizable. Well, and I, I don't expect you to know this as a, uh, as this may pertain to British history, but mm. if the show started in the 60s and right. these police boxes were popular in the 50s, it feels like even in the sixties, it would have been an sort of a throwback or a nostalgic uh, reference to something that wasn't really timely anymore. Would that well, be accurate? Somewhat, but in different parts of the uh, the country, they've had them for a lot later as well. You know, you could find for a while. Um, I know that when I was in England. Um, most of the places there didn't have any police boxes, but I think I remember seeing one of them, like maybe when mm-hmm. I was in Scotland. So, you know, they, they used to be ubiquitous. Um, they have thinned them out over the years, and I don't think any of them exist anymore, but uh, unless they're creating a, a, you know, here's our prop for our new show. Uh, <laughs> right. But uh, it's, it's just, I think, also because the, the doctor travels within – time even back then he was going from time to time so if you had something that was only a few years out of date that's fine i mean you can say your story is set a few years earlier um in the Mm -hmm. but in this case you know you can go to like any part of time and space and still have this police box well since we're talking about time uh i did notice uh and i thought maybe this was sort of a a wink and a nod uh, to the creation of the show. But uh, there's a scene in which Rose is talking to a conspiracy theorist that runs a website. Uh, and he shows her a photo of the doctor at uh, seemingly the uh, car motorcade uh, in which JFK was shot at. Mm-hmm. And uh, the my assumption is that it, it's a, a wink to when the original show aired um, because I did accidentally stumble upon some information uh, that said that I guess the first episode of Doctor Who uh, aired the week before the assassination yeah. but because of the assassination <laughs> um, they, they ended up airing uh, that show 
and the the original the first episode and then the next episode uh because people were sort of so caught up in the the assassination that they felt they needed to hey look here's doctor who so do you know is is that a, an actual wink and a nod to the original or is it just I am willing to bet. Now, I haven't uh, heard an interview from Russell Davies that said that. And I do have a book. I have to find it. I should have uh, looked for that before we started doing, you know, before you even asked me to do this podcast. But I've got a book that is the entire first season shooting script. And I oh, bet wow. that information like that would be in the thing because there's lots of little notes about uh, decisions that they made. And I never thought about that, but I had heard about that story um, of the assassination throwing off the, uh, the initial airing schedule. And that's brilliant. I mean, what a, that, that I would not be surprised at all if, cause Russell had such a great appreciation and depth of knowledge for these, uh, for the characters and for its history that of course he would put that in there. Of course, that would be an intentional, deliberate inclusion. So now, now into uh, more nerdy questions. Uh, right. When uh, the doctor visits Rose uh, after he tracks down the plastic arm, which she held on to this entire time, mm-hmm. uh, he's sitting in her house and he has a moment where he looks in the mirror uh, and he makes a, a comical uh, comment about his years being too big yeah uh is that a reference to his transformation implying that he has transformed into this look recently yes okay yeah Yeah. we have stumbled onto one of those questions everybody so yes (laughs) so this this has something to do with the doctor's physical transformation now it's going to be a while before any of that gets further developed in the series you know you've got some time but time is all about that's what the show's about time 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 is relevant mm-hmm. um it's all relevant now, in time and space it's all relevant <laughs> but i meant to say relative yeah. um but so now uh, i i i love the the sort of the way he introduces himself to rose um in that walk where he's walking back towards the tardis uh, and he keeps referring to himself as just the doctor. Mm-hmm. So help me out here. The name of the show is Doctor Who. It's more of a uh, reference to people will always ask that, like, you know, assuming that there's a second name, Doctor Who. Like, you're not Dr. Jones, you're not Dr. Smith, you're D- Doctor Who. Yeah. And so it's not his name, it's the, the name of the doctor is the name that he uses. That is what he identifies himself as, the doctor. Um, so, it, so who is more or less just an Abbott and Costello routine uh, and nothing to do with his actual name. Right. Doctor, Doctor Who, exactly. Yeah, that's that would not be, he would never answer to <laughs> Doctor Who. Yeah, he it, would never answer to Doctor Who. Okay, I mean, he so, might have, but it's not, certainly not the Eccleston uh version you know that's not he would not play that (laughs) um speaking of playing it uh another really fun uh moment uh which i'm sure is froth with uh i guess 
information yet to come. Uh, But when he is explaining to her who he is, he has a moment where he grabs her hand and he says... It's like when you're a kid. The first time they tell you that the world's turning and you just can't quite believe it because everything looks like it's standing still. I can feel it. The turn of the earth. The ground beneath our feet is spinning at a thousand miles an hour, and the entire planet is hurtling round the sun at 67,000 miles an hour, and I can feel it. We're falling through space, you and me, clinging to the skin of this tiny little world, and if we let go, that's who I am. Does that mean that... First off, is he being literal? Does he actually feel the Earth moving? Yes. And I, I, and this could be just me picking things up. Um, He lets go of her hand and he goes, and that's who I am. Now, does that mean that he is what he just said to her? Or is he referring to he's the guy that is not inhibited by your way of thinking and I'm the guy that lets go to fly off? I think you can actually say it's yes for both of those because he's also saying like, this is me. This is what I'm offering you is who I am. And that's all that's really important. You know, you're not getting depth of backstory. You're not getting um, these hundreds of uh, years of, of, storylines that they that they could have that he could have gone through you're getting him now and if you don't like it that's fine if you do that's fine because it's it's like this is me take me as i am well i i i really loved that scene i thought he did a fantastic job at sort of playing this intriguing character i like how it ranged in this between this seriousness this like oh my god it's so much bigger than we know kind of interaction you know he is the man who can feel the planet moving um it's it's so big and then all of a sudden he lights up his face with this infectious smile and mm-hmm. like my favorite line of it is if you are an alien how come you sound like you're from the north lots of planets have a north that's my favorite line of the whole show you know at least that episode there's there's more but that's that just that sold it to me well, and I, I understand that the original Doctor Who show uh, took place much earlier than uh, the movie that I'm about to mention. But the entire this this entire first episode felt very Men in Blackish, uh, which is of course right in my wheelhouse. Uh, I love the idea that there's something else, that there's something bigger out there. But uh, moving right along, and speaking of time. Um, Again, when uh, Rose is talking to the uh, gentleman, the, the conspiracy theorist, mm-hmm. uh, he mentions, he pulls out the photos from the from the Kennedy assassination, but he also has photos of the doctor um, sitting with a, the Daniels family, which, you know, thank you very much for bringing my name into it, um, <laughs> uh, next to them uh, before they uh, purportedly, you know, not did not board the Titanic. Um, is there any is there any specific meaning behind why he would be saving a family called Daniels 
from Titanic? Honestly, that one I couldn't tell you. I don't know. I don't know. Okay. Like, it's been several years since I've last seen this, the episodes, and I'm not sure if that's being referenced to something earlier than the uh, the next episodes that we're going to see, or if it's um, something from like the, the previous uh, version of the series, whether it was the TV movie or the, uh, the regular series uh, like 20 years earlier or something. So I, I don't know the answer. Well, cause it, it felt very personal um, because one, I'm a huge Titanic fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have books about Titanic, about the sinking of Titanic, about the finding of Titanic. Mm-hmm. I've been a lifelong fan of all things related to Titanic. Uh, so for the doctor to be standing next to a family whose surname is Daniel uh, in front of the Titanic, I was like, wow, this show really wants me to like it. <laughs> well, and, and I, hopefully you do. But um, I think what they're trying to say, and some one of your other, uh, you know, one of our listeners may be able to pipe in with uh, an email or a comment or whatever on this, uh, on the podcast. But a lot of what the doctor has done is personal. You've got these huge uh, earth or galaxy changing events that goes on, but he is still going to save individuals. He's going to go find people. And if it is this family, the, the Daniels family, then his adventure that I don't know if we shared or not, they go right to them. And, you know, it makes me wonder, there could be a connection that I can't tell you about yet, but Mm. I'm not, I'm now that I'm talking about it, it's like, maybe there is a connection just out of order. We'll have to go revisit uh, this conversation (laughs) in some later episodes. Um, So once again, still in the room with the conspiracy theorists Mm -hmm. and he is uh, giving her the lowdown and he talks about how death is the doctor's constant companion. Yes. And again, knowing very little about this mythos yet, I have heard the word companion used a lot. Mm -hmm. So I can't help but to think, does that insinuate in some way, shape or form that Rose is death? Because uh, my understanding is that Rose becomes the doctor's companion. And if his companion is constant death, does that make Rose death? I don't think so, at least not initially. We'll, we'll see a way where that your interpretation could fit maybe later, but it's not, I don't think of it as a genuine, like, oh, she is death. Um, I think that because in the history of Doctor Who, from the very first episode in 1962, he has had companions. He has had, some of them have died. Some of them have left and gone on to live their own lives. Uh, Some, we just don't know what happened to them. Um, But constantly he's been with a series of people that have traveled through time and space with him. But the one consistent thing is that wherever he goes, he's got to fight things that are going to cause death. You know, there are classic Doctor Who villains 
that their only goal is to destroy all life. There are classic uh, circumstances where the the big event is a um, the end of everything. So we can see death appearing, and you know, you, it's it's finding an, an episode where not everybody dies or you know nobody dies is going to be a a challenge you know so because the character has lived i don't know if you've figured out how long he's been alive but it's been a long time there's no mention of it i mean he insinuates that he's been around for a while yeah he's Um, older than he looks so and and speaking of uh insinuations uh and uh, Doctor Who villains uh, while he is facing off against the big plastic blob at the mm-hmm. bottom of the uh, London Eye uh, he makes a mention of something that uh, kind of stuck in my ear. That's not true I should know I was there I fought in the war it wasn't my fault I couldn't save your world I couldn't save any of them So is he caught up in some sort of like is he a a war hero, a, a veteran? I mean, clearly he's a veteran if he fought in a war, but is this a war that we're going to find out more about? And is this war pivotal to who he is? Yes, in a lot of ways. The war, I mean, again, he's lived a very long time. There's been a lot of battles in his life. Some of them are organized as a true war battle others are simply um fighting against the uh the injustice of the moment um he has seen a lot of death and there are there are big wars that he has been part of big villains that um have nearly wiped out all of existence and only because he was there did reality as we know it survive so he's important, and I'm sure that there were the wars that the uh, that plastic is talking about, but I don't know it specifically. I know that this, I know that that plastic uh, intelligence was recreated from a much earlier episode. It wasn't invented for this one, so there is history. But I never saw that old episode. Um, I'm sure the effects were considerably more rickety back then, uh, but uh, it, it it can be much more important. Um, you just have to accept the gravitas of how long he's been doing this, and everything he does is to try to save everybody, even if he can't. And speaking of saving everybody, uh, the only sort of on-camera character that we know of that dies in this episode happens to be the man that (laughs) the conspiracy theory now clearly one can surmise that the author of the of this episode uh was sort of making a statement about fans and fan websites beyond that is there any significance to his death other than it's one of the few characters that we've met that isn't going to stick around for more episodes. Well, it reinforces his own statement that the doctor's constant companion is death because his immediate companions don't always die, but 
people who are aware of him can. You know, like he is a man who um, had made himself aware of the doctor's existence and in doing so opened himself up in some ways to the potential of the doctor returning and while not being directly responsible for the man's fate, just the existence of him can lead to the death. So we see him, uh, we see him dying, and it just felt like really closure for himself. It's like, see, I was right all along. The doctor brings death, and I'm now dead. <laughs> so the episode ends uh, in a very sort of cliffhangery kind of way. Uh, but also in a way that sort of resolves at least the initial arc of Rose, which is she is in this clearly pedantic job in a clearly uh, middling relationship. Uh, does she actually, is she actually leaving her boyfriend? Is that what happens at the end of that episode? Because she, you know, she has a moment where she says, thanks. And he goes, thanks for what? And she goes, exactly. And then instead of kissing him on the lips, which throughout the episode we've seen her do, she kind of gives him a peck on the cheek and runs off into the, the great you know, unknown. phone booth of time. Uh, I would say that it, we have not seen the last of, of my, uh, Mike or Mickey. Yeah. We, Mickey, yes. And the relationship is not abandoned at that moment. It's just like, there are things, you know, when we get to the next episode as you know, the viewers and you specifically, you will see that there's the ongoing consequences. There's, the show does not exist all by itself. There will be uh, actions that happen here will affect further episodes down the road. There you go. Well, I cannot wait to sink my teeth into even more episodes of Doctor Who. I wouldn't have started a podcast about a show that I wasn't at least semi-sure that I would enjoy. I had no idea that I would love it as much as I did uh, and that my wife would love it as much as she did. I mean, we finished the first episode. Uh, <laughs> no, she had never seen it before. She is she married into nerdom. She is not a nerd herself. She's adopted a lot of our customs but she carries the she, banner well <laughs> she does carry the banner well but she she was hooked we were both ready to just binge watch as many episodes as we could last night but i did not because it's important you gotta pace to yourself. hold on exactly uh, savor every moment of it which i in, intend uh, very much to do so thank you very much eric for joining me in the inaugural show for the first time Lord, uh, I guess I'm going to be hitting the word first hard, at least the first couple of episodes, maybe the first season, because <laughs> it is first. Um, but thank you so much for joining us. It was my pleasure. Thank you for having me here. Excellent. And thank you. Thank you, the listener, so much for uh, spending a little bit of your time with us. If you want to support the show, uh, please check the website firsttimelord.com uh, or if you find me uh, on Patreon I am Daniel Levine on Patreon uh, drop in in there uh, we are going to have uh, some uh, Patreon exclusives uh, that you can get uh, if you're 
huge fan of the show. Um, there'll be some little things that uh, will get dropped into that feed as well. So uh, take a look uh, and any help would be appreciated. But thanks so much for listening. And I guess I got to go watch some more Doctor Who. Yeah, you don't want to run out of time before the next episode. See you next time. Run for your life.